is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Meet the Critters, episode 42. And we got a fun one. We haven't done an interview in a bit. And we got a newbie to podcasting, so we're pretty excited. So I am Kyle. I'm Joe. And let's get right into it. So we have William Robinson from Crooked Row Farms. Let's bring him up. What's going on, Bill? Oh, same old, same old. I'm kind of excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> kind of excited and kind of terrified. I get it. Yeah, my whole family. I wrote them into doing it. Yeah, my whole family would be watching, so. Oh, yeah, awesome. a pretty big deal for me. Perfect. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll do you right then. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So, Bill, tell everyone a little about yourself, what you got going on over, over there at the farm. Well, we're got a lot of things going on, more than I like sometimes, but, you know, that's the way farming is, I guess. Uh, one of the bigger things we're doing this year is we're setting ourselves up a little better for furrowing for our pigs and trying to stick with a couple breeds and not just any old breeds. I'm trying to get the best of the best in my herd to grow, you know, good pigs, so... Yeah, and then no, uh, let's see. We're building a we're building a lamb barn, sawing lumber out for that. Uh, just got a bunch of rabbits ready to go the other day. Should have babies here. Well, the other day, almost a month ago now. Uh, should have a ton of babies. I think I got like sixteen does, Brad. So Jeez. we're gonna have a bunch of rabbits. <laughs> That's so many rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You should have seen the lot that he brought into the shop. Those were uh, his rabbits that I processed. Oh, that's right. Yep. That was a small bunch, too. Usually I do. (laughs) Usually I do quite considerably more. Yeah. That is one one that I miss. We haven't done rabbits in years. Like, we we just had a brooding pair of pets for Mm -hmm. a while after we stopped. There are times where I'm like, I do kind of miss doing rabbits. But then there's other times where I'm like, I'm all set. I'm done playing. <laughs> done playing with that they, for the moment. They can be awful touchy sometimes. I mean, yeah. you have good years and you have bad years. And when it's a bad year, it's a bad year with rabbits. Yeah. They just, you know, if you get any little thing in there, it, it can wipe you right out mm-hmm. within oh, for a sure. month. I've seen it firsthand myself. So it's, it's pretty scary. But I don't know. It's a good it's a good money maker for us. We, oh, we do sure. good. We probably, we probably sell, I would just guess between two and 300 rabbits a summer. That's, and that's just awesome. a summer. Well, I think so, that's the problem that most yeah. people have is they don't have a market for it. Yeah. That's like, what I ran into. Yeah. I, I keep three does in a buck for myself and that's, that's plenty. Yeah. So, if you, yeah. if you have yeah, a uh, for it, fantastic. Yeah. Everybody, Everybody that I talk to that raises rabbit, that's their problem. They yeah. don't have mm-hmm. a market for it. They, And I just lucked out because I found a, uh, actually more than one person now that um, they're using them for raw dog food. Yeah. So, and, and they want quantity. They want a lot. Yeah. Like yeah. when this all started, uh, the, the person I saw to wanted 50 rabbits a month. And I just. It was overwhelming. There was no way I could come up with 50 rabbits a month. Yeah. How many does do you think you'd have to have to maintain 50 finished rabbits a month? Oh, goodness. I I couldn't even wrap my head around it. Like, you'd you'd have to have – my does do pretty good. Uh, the way I breed my bucks is a little different than most people do it, and I get big litters from mm-hmm. anywhere from seven to – well, we actually got one doe down there that's got 12 little ones right now. Yep. And, yeah, and my one doe, she consistently puts out between 10 and 14 kits. So right, right. Yeah. I, I would like to do a school sometime on rabbits because I've been raising them since I was eight years old, since I was tall enough to reach cages, you know. With awesome. My mom, and then yeah. my mom got out of it, and then my dad took it over, and then he got out of it, and then I took it over. So yeah. Well, if you get around to doing that sometime we'll definitely promote it for you i can do something with the channel and you know yeah we can film it or whatever you want to do yeah because i i've i've learned a lot especially uh well for instance the whole breeding thing there i was having a terrible time getting my rabbits bred and then i started 
uh, getting more bucks. I've actually got five bucks, and uh, when the buck has a fall off, we put it with put the dough with the next buck all the way down the whole through the whole five bucks. And I haven't had a problem since, and we've been doing nice. that for a little over a year now. So makes sense. I mean, you get different times of the year, bucks can grow, go temporarily sterile and stuff, from what I understand. And yeah, it's nice to have yep. the backups. And a lot of times the does just won't have anything to do with them. That's the biggest yep. problem that I run into because I try to keep them going year round. And I kind of think it goes with the seasons a little bit. Like yeah, when you sure. have a warm spell, they tend to breed better than yep. when it's really cold. Now, See, I, was, your, I was ran yeah. the opposite, at least up here, where it was mm-hmm. the breeding season for me was like fall to early spring. I couldn't ra- I couldn't keep anything alive in the in the summertime. Yeah. Right. Now is your uh setup outdoors or indoors? Yeah, no, it's there. outdoors. Yeah. It's outdoors. We're eventually gonna I that's a, one of the other things that I need to do is get a a small barn built so in the winter time if it does get really cold i mean we locked out this year but yeah. other winters it you know it gets down to zero down here quite frequently and uh other years we've run into problems with they just the the babies had come and then they they just couldn't generate enough heat so yeah. you know we've we've lost a couple times there but that's only usually with new does and stuff like that the older does they usually they know what to do but I do need to get a barn belt so I can, like in the wintertime when it gets super cold, I can put those in there and mm-hmm. and just move them as grow outs out of the barn out to outside. Out to the outside cages. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. No, that's yeah. smart. Yeah, I've wanted, if if I ever do get back into rabbits, it'll be like kind of how Joel Salatin has it set up where he's got the greenhouses where mm-hmm. the rabbits are on yeah. top and then it's an enclosed chicken coop. Yep. That. Yeah, I actually went and seen Joel's setup. Nice. I actually toured his farm last summer. Nice. I'm I met him last year at a festival and completely fangirled out. I was <laughs> I just went complete <laughs> zero composure. I was like, hi, it's nice to meet you. It's it's fan <laughs> manning. <laughs> My wife calls it fan manning. No, yeah. that there was nothing masculine <laughs> about what I did. I fangirled out 110% to the point where like people were like pushing me, like, go say hi. He's a person. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, it was the same thing when I went and uh, um, did the pasture class with Greg Judy. At first, you're like, you know, they're big time name people. You don't want to talk to them or bother them, but they're so down to earth. You know, he was. And he came out and ate lunch and breakfast with us and just talked to the whole group. And on our breaks, he'd come over and just start talking to individuals and talking about how, you know, what you're doing on your farm. And so. Yeah. I'm, I got to meet Jordan green too. He, he, he's a really, really nice guy. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't get, get to meet Joel. I didn't, we went there two days and he wasn't around, you know, so I didn't get to meet him, but Jordan there, he's, he's a real nice guy. I like him a lot. He yeah, he's I like pretty his... much like go wherever you want. He says, you know, and go just go see what you want. And boy, some of his pigs were the, some of the biggest pigs I think I've ever seen in my life. Boy, they, they were just absolutely <laughs> yeah, they do a large. He's got large. multiple employees and everything. Yeah. What I like about his channel is he he sets it up to he talks a lot about the business side of the farm too, yeah. which is super nice because there's a lot of content with that to where it you know I I watch tons of his videos on, on just the business side of the farm because you don't get that with a lot of the channels. And, uh, it, you know, for new newer farms like myself and what Kyle's doing, it's nice having just seeing what yeah. these other farms are doing, you know. Yeah, on the business. it's real good because I, I'm good at the farming, but I'm not good at the business side of it. I, I just <laughs> yeah. never have been. That's all of I, us. I let, my, <laughs> I let my wife try to take care of that. Yeah. 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 Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Another good another good uh, person to watch is a shepherdess. She does a lot yep. of business side of it too yeah i started watching her what she she's been doing it for two or three years now yeah something um, like that. yeah yeah i i actually thought about reaching out to her seeing if she wanted to do a podcast she's yeah, fairly yeah. newer into the farming stuff but she does she has a lot of good content yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i watch her quite a bit and uh mm-hmm. joel there i joel and jordan and her and um 
Oh, what's the, a few more acres? I think it's called. I watch him a little bit. In my just a few time. acres, or just a few acres. Yeah, yeah Pete. Pete. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. not that far really from us. No, it's down by Ithaca, isn't he? Yeah, just I, somewhere. I don't know exactly, but he he runs all this product through the Ithaca Farmers Market. I yeah, thought about going yeah. over there to meet him sometime because it runs Saturdays. Yeah, yeah. So, but perfect. So he covered, you're doing pigs and rabbits. What else you got going on? Oh, well, we got sheep there. I think I'm going to lamb out. I think there's 23 this year. They, uh, they're all nice. getting big and fat right now. So I think I'm going to have my hands full come lambing season because it's not till May and they're already getting fat. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of multiples. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But that's the nice thing about goats and sheep. You know, they, they can be a little bit tougher than cows and, you know, a little bit harder to keep in fences, but you can yep. grow your flock so fast. You know, they breed, you know, you have them at certain time, depending on when you have them in the year, you can breed them that first year, year and a half, yep. multiple, you know, compared to what most cows have a single, you can yeah. build your yeah. flock and, and they turn around so much quicker too for meat wise. They're yeah. ready that first year. You don't have to wait two to three years to get a, you know, a, a pasture raised um, product from those animals which right. is we've nice. we've we've actually ate a few of our lambs and i'll tell you what i i made a big mistake i i was trying to get them up to weight quicker and of course i'm i'm buying some grain you know and giving mm -hmm. them some grain and we had the first one butchered there and that was absolutely awful like yeah. i we you could eat it but it wasn't it was awful so hmm. so we took them off and i started buying some really good second cut and hay and and the next one we had butchered, I'll tell you what, you yeah. ain't going to have a beefsteak better than a lamb chop. <laughs> I've also um, heard that, because uh, you do, what breed do you run? Uh, there's Katahdin in there and Dorper. I actually yeah. had, when I bought the flock, they had a Dorper ram with them. And this year I'm breeding them to, um, oh, well, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. Um, Katahdin. Yep. Rams, both my Rams are Katahdin. So, yeah, yeah, you got, got those from a local farm. You were telling me, right? Another local yeah. farm here that's kind of Angelica. Us. There, yeah. uh, her name's Jesse May. There, it's uh, Fire Firefly yep. Farm. Firefly Farms, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I've heard really good things about the grass or the grass-fed um, hair sheep compared to um, like a wool breed. They don't have that lanolin or something in them. Yeah, yeah. We we don't want no more wool sheep. Actually, I got one left, and she's probably if she doesn't do good lambing this year, she's going to go down the road because I do not <laughs> like shearing. I absolutely hate it because it, it's the I I you cut them you yeah. you can't help but cut them once in a while, you know. And I just I don't. I don't want to do that anymore. So <laughs> I got to find someone to shear the two that were dropped off to me. Someone's. Well, like, I got hey, a pair yeah. of clippers you can borrow. Those, those things look. <laughs> I have no desire to shear sheep. <laughs> it reminds me of like the random clips that'll come up on Facebook or whatever, or it's like, look at this poor sheep that was turned feral, and now all of a sudden he comes back six years later, and he's yeah, like and he's this big. big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty yeah, much how these are. I think they didn't look like sheared at all last year. I, honestly, yeah. I don't know when the last time they were sheared, but man, they're the wool on them. I think I'm going to wait until like mid to late April, right before it starts turning too warm. I just because they've had the wool on them so long, I'm afraid that if we shear them too early, we get a right. cold snap. They'll start, you know. Yeah. I don't have a lot of experience with sheep. They were just, hey, you know, can't take care of them anymore. I'm like, whatever. We'll try them right. out. I really wanted to try. Uh, um, hair sheep. I'd really like to get you know a small flock going to those, but we'll see. Well, I know guys that have some for sale next summer, probably some uh, lambs anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Um, the what the oh, I like Katahdin's that like because again I've put a ton of them through the shop. A ton of people raise yeah. them up here. The one that intrigues me is Icelandic sheep. I have a customer yeah. that raises Icelandic sheep. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've seen that. <clears throat> the meat quality on those things are insane. There are really? some ice. Are, there, are those a wool breed? They are a wool breed. Okay, I, I thought so. I don't. 
I just started reading on the breeds and stuff and a little bit more on sheep, so I was just wondering. Yeah, no, they are a wool breed. But, again, they're a little bit smaller. But, again, the meat quality on them is fantastic. And I'm like, all right, that's interesting. And I don't know. I've just enjoyed them, like, um, process them. So, yeah, yeah. if I was to get into it, it would either be Katahdin's or them. I, I really don't want to get into sheep. And the more and more I look at my property and, like, what would work best for us oh they're so handy it would be a flock of sheep like yeah, they're so handy and if i but you highly know. considering getting away from re- doing like breeding the beef cows and just keep mm-hmm. my dairy cows and then either do like a custom try to find another small farm that will like let me finish out four or five head of their finished beef because then mm-hmm. i can run them right through the shop. They're already here on the property. They get like prime pick of my slaughter dates in the fall or whatever, you know, however they have it set up for their farm. I'm not sure. I've, I've considered doing sheep. The problem is, is most of my pastures over on the neighbors and we don't have any solid fence. So it'd all be netting or train them to a couple strands of poly wire, which is fine. But I, I worry about the coyotes and stuff. I really don't want to keep a dog over there because they have a dog and, you know, have them barking and stuff all night. Just my experience with livestock guardian dogs. I've, that's the one reason I haven't really got back into the small livestock is I'd really like to find a livestock guardian dog that doesn't bark unless something's actually there. My last two, it's like from the time the, did, yeah. the sun goes down till the time it comes up, they don't stop. And I just yeah, don't want to irritate my neighbors because I have a good relationship with them now. And I have a free lease on his property, and I really don't want to ruin that. Yeah, my my dog's pretty good there. He, we, I actually didn't end up putting him putting him in with the sheep because I was afraid that he might want to go on a galley van. And there's a highway just down the road, and mm-hmm. we live on. It's not a main road, but it's a paved road, and I really didn't want to see him get hit in the road or something because you know they're not cheap. And, yeah. and and he's like a member of our family. He is just the the biggest, nicest dog that I've ever owned, besides the one we have in the house here. Uh he he's just a great guy. <laughs> yeah. But he he only barks when something's around. If some if if he really starts barking hard, you better get headed out there with the gun because there's something around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The livestock guardian dogs are worth their weight in gold. Oh, absolutely. When I had my uh, Marima cross, he was fantastic. Besides the barking, I didn't lose anything. I didn't lose chickens. I didn't lose rabbits. I had some rabbits that lived in the pasture with him, and he'd sit there and clean them. Besides the little babies, he always thought there were rats or something would kill them if they had babies in the barn. But other than that, I mean, you could put whatever in his pasture. If he knew that you put it in there, it was supposed to be there, it, you, you didn't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, my great Pyrenees is doing a good job making sure the couch isn't going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I keep hearing him that he might want to come in the house, and I'm like, no, he is a working dog. He belongs yep. outside. And that darn dog, is, it can be snowing and raining, and he'll just be chilled out up there, just like oh, yeah. sunny and warm. <laughs> Nothing, bo- weather does not bother that dog at all. Yeah, I have the. I have the most spoiled working dogs, I think. I have a Great Pyrenees and a Border Collie that just watch television. That's what they got. Yeah. That's what they're doing yeah. in their life. Yeah. <laughs> they're like the rest of America. Exactly. Off the system. <laughs> right. Yeah, they, they get paid to live off the system. Exactly. Yeah. They're just chilling. They're just living life. Yeah. We don't want to uh, work. Yeah. What's on much. TV today? Yeah, yeah. right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so um, you're also into beef as well, correct? Uh, we just raised a couple head. Um, they're so expensive right now, we really can't afford them. So for now, we're not into the beef too much. Um, we're, I want to buy some feeders, but you're going to pay for them. I mean, oh, yeah. prices just went up again and, this month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then the stuff, these fires happening in Texas, it drove the, the national average. Of, cattle down again and it was already at a at the low right yeah so it was boy, at the lowest know. point since the 50s yeah that's what they were saying and now it's even worse and <clears throat> yeah and yeah, like the prices uh, are just outrageous right now 
I, yeah. I've considered selling mine, but at the same time, I'm like, I can't afford to buy them back. So yeah, you know, what yeah. do I do? And I lined up a pretty nice bull for this year. So I might keep them throughout this year and kind of reconfigure. I might sell calves this year to pay for next winter's hay and uh, yeah. see how it goes. And I'm just well, I, I see the that AJ Richards there. You guys ever heard of him? Oh, well, I see him on TikTok once in a while. And like he was talking today, you know, a lot of we ain't even hit summer yet, and there could be droughts, and yeah, that's gonna drive it down even or drive the price up even more. And yeah, it's it's beef's gonna this, be good for a while. This summer, this summer is gonna be interesting when it yeah. comes to especially the agricultural space. Because it's yeah. like things have been boiling for a while. Yeah, and it's coming and, to a head. Because it's like I'm I'm on TikTok and I am the algorithm is just feeding me all of the European farm protests. Yeah, yeah. And of course, I just sit on my couch, just like I'll get the nasty out there. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, right. But like that's common, and there's a reason that if you say, "Hey, have you seen the farm protests in Europe?" Most people go, "Huh." Like, yeah. there's a reason that's not blasted everywhere. Right. Because, right. again, those people aren't the protesters that are going to walk into the middle of the road and link arms because mm -hmm. they stand for love. These right. dudes are bringing massive tractors in and just going, oh, nice barricade. Womp. <laughs> yeah. I was listening to um, Joe Salatin, does a, he's host or co-host on that Beyond Labels podcast. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and I watch. They just um, they just covered that the other day, and you said that usually five years after stuff happens in Europe, it happens here. He said so. You should pay attention. But he was talking about um, I briefly caught it, so I was in and out of the shop moving uh, quarters of beef in, mm -hmm. and I swore he said that they get paid like fifty so much an acre a year to be to have farmland. And, and it cuts off at like two acres. So that's how they have, he said, when you, when he first went, started going to Europe before COVID hit, he was amazed at how many of these 10, 20 acre farms have these massive tractors and spreaders and, you know, whatever. And he couldn't figure out why. And then he, once he started, you know, doing his classes and talking to the farmers, um, yeah, they get paid so much an acre to have farmland there. Hmm. Right. I'm like, hmm. If yeah. only. Yeah, if only. But I think I think the issue is that the only reason they're paying them so much to be farmers is because they're also at the exact same time doing everything in their power to like destroy farmers. Yeah. Well, yeah. so so it's you know here so, in America. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's terrible if 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 like with the dairy farm, and if you're not milking five hundred cows, you might mm -hmm. as well hang it up because you're going to get buried by the people who are. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I'm not dissing on any farmer the way they do yeah. things. They do things the way they got to make money. But some of it's getting a little bit ridiculous. I mean, as yeah. far as having 5,000 cows and, you know. Well, that's, that's pushed by the um, these milk plants. When I work down here at the, the dairies here in Friendship, um, the... They, they were pushing to the co-ops. They, they were pretty much forcing the hand of the co-ops to get rid of the smaller farms because it's easier to control uh, one farm with a few thousand cows than it is 50 right. small farms and right. to get yeah. a, the same. Because our, our food system nowadays, I talk, just talked to a, a farmer, older couple. They stopped to check out the shop because they, they do grass-fed beef now. But they were milking 30 to 40 cows with bucket milkers up till they retired. And we got talking about this subject. And it our food food base is so everybody wants a consistent product, which you don't get on a small farm, which is it's fine. You because you're not gonna raise, you know, these big feedlots and stuff can push a few thousand head of beef through in these big slaughter plants, and they can mix match to get okay, all the steaks in this pack are the same size or this, all this burger is the same coming out of the machine right. to, to go to McDonald's and Burger King and all these places. So, you know, a lot of people are so ingrained and used to it, um, especially my age and younger, because we, you know, 
yeah. got, you know, our families had got away from the family farm and eating local and, you know, good foods. Everybody's used to seeing a, uh, you know, they look at the package and they're like, oh, all the patties are a consistent size or, you know, all the vegetables and this, you know, the waste in this country is ridiculous. I was just watching a video the other day. They were talking about how wasteful the United States is in their food production because it's not visually appealing to customers. So instead of uh, putting that oddball produce or odd cuts of steaks or whatever, there's a few places starting to utilize this stuff, but it, they ju- it just gets tossed. Right. Yeah, so, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. The the best food I've ever ate in my life was when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Off the farm, we did all our own butchering. We grew all our own vegetables. The only thing we go to store for is like salt, flour, things like that. And I'll tell you what, like I was talking earlier about uh, smoking my own bacon and doing that stuff. It's yeah. the best food you're ever going to eat. And it's oh, yeah. the same thing with that. You know, when we were, when I was a kid, that's all we ate. And and everybody was healthier and the food tasted better. And and as far as I'm concerned, who gives a shit if it's a steak don't look good? If it tastes good, then oh right. well. You know? Yeah. And people, yeah, we had, people um, aren't used to that. They're really yeah, not. It's true. So trying to, it's and true. trying to explain it to someone who's not used mm-hmm. to it. Oh, they just they don't they have don't, a clue. They just don't, they don't get understand. It. It's not even no. like most people aren't malicious about it either. They just no. don't get it. Yeah, like, no, they just it's, don't get it's it. something that is just not in their lexicon, like in their frame of mind whatsoever. They've never thought about where their food comes from. Well, so, it's, it's 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 like if a person has to pay a little more for a steak, yeah, they can go to Wegmans and buy it for, oh, say, $7 a pound. But maybe if they buy it off of me, they have to pay 8 because it costs me a little more to get it yeah. to them, you know. And, well, geez, I can go to Wegmans and buy that for $7 a pound. But they just don't. They don't understand, like all our animals are grown with love and we give them everything we got and, and, you know, good animals make good meat or good food, yeah. you know? Yeah. And people, and that's people a thing I, I, I just went through this with a, a couple of customers that I, cause now I started the customer and farmer list here. I've been able to connect a few. I mean, it's, it's growing, it's slow still. But I'm connecting, you know, the customers and the farmers. And my hardest thing I'm running into is getting um, the customers, uh, you know, th- they get sticker shock um, seeing the, the price of things right now because they're used to only buying their week's worth of groceries. Yeah. And when they're buying a year's supply of meat all at once, they're like, Whoa, we don't, you know, we don't want to do that. Or, you know, they don't have the freezer space and trying to figure out ways to, you know, like, like I had talked to you when you were here um, with the rabbits that time, if we ever do a storefront here, if we're ever able to do the storefront here, I'd like to have local products, which would help the customers get local food, but they don't have to buy it in bulk. Um, That's one of the big things I'm running into right now, either the price or the amount of meat they're getting back. They're like, we don't even know what we're going to do with this much meat. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people have it ingrained in their head too, that they have to buy a half a beef and a whole pig. It's like, no, I mean, you could buy a half a pig and a quarter of a beef and maybe some pasture raised chickens and mix match. Now that, I mean, we pretty close to a ketogenic diet now and we, we don't, you know, we have, a family of four, we don't eat a, a whole or half a beef to ourselves. A lot of times I keep a quarter of beef. We get a couple deer in the freezer and a half a pig, but I, I mean, I'm raising it so I can, but that's what I'm trying to build with customers. I've got a few that are trying to partner up with other families so they can split a quarter of a beef down to, into smaller amounts for them. Mm-hmm. And like I told him, I said, once you get a feel of how long it takes you to utilize that meat, we can get on a, every six month or four month or five, you know, however long it takes them to go through that animal. Now that I'm building a farmer base too, I can pretty much keep people consistently coming back and be able to line up all the customers with the farmers a little bit better. It's just going to take time to get there. Well, especially with the new, like the the new people, it's one of those best intention things. They go into it. Like I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to 
buy half a cow. I'm going to support a local farm. This is going to yeah. be awesome. Then you hand them either the receipt or even before that, where they're like, oh, well, how much around is this going to cost? And you toss yeah. out the number and they just look at you like, excuse me? Yeah. Like, that's my mortgage payment. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's for steak. And I was like, yeah, but it's for a whole year. Like, yeah. They can't rationalize it. Right, right. How much it is. Yeah. Oh, we were, we were uh, looking into selling cuts, you know, and we have sold some, Mm -hmm. but I just, I just, I'm not a hundred percent sure because, you know, you tell people what you want for it and they're like, oh, you know, we did pretty good. We've pretty much sold. I had two beef butchered last fall and we've pretty much sold out other than what we're keeping for ourselves, which was good, but yeah. Um, I just don't know. I just wonder if it'd be simpler for me to just sell a half a cow or a quarter of a cow or, you know, but yeah. I Absolutely. like, I like selling the cuts as far as that goes, you know, cause people say, boy, that, you know, that cut looks really nice, you know, and you know, it tastes good. It was great. And you know, but yeah. I don't know if it's really worth the hassle. I run into that the same issue because I'm too nice to ask what I actually need to make. And, and I, right. I kick myself because I lost money in the last, well, 2023 season on my chickens and my pork. And, you know, I wasn't going to go back on my word. After, you know, I already set a price. I just followed through with it. And, um, but a lot of these farms that I'm talking to, I, you know, uh, there's one over here in um, Angelica. If you look up their prices, you're like, whoa, but they have, a steady once you find that customer base and they get the quality of product it's just building that customer base that's willing to pay for what you need to make and they know what they're getting they understand that it's way healthier for them they understand it's just building that and around here you it, it's kind of tough because there is so many farms like you know kyle's explained where he's at there's not many farms in that area that right there's a so lot he, around here yeah, yeah exactly but that, our, our area western new york is I mean, every road you go on, there's probably a farm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the biggest thing about small farms is the biggest thing they can do to help themselves is not get mad at their customers. It's to educate their customers about Mm -hmm. the situation. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, this is a chunk of change, but this is going to work out for you. And like when it comes to selling cuts and stuff like that, I go back and forth on that all the time. Because it's like, for me, if I wanted to sell cuts i'd have to send everything out to a different shop and i'm like i'm not gonna do that like i have my own shop there's no point in me sending it out when i can just sell holes and halves yeah i thought about that too because i'm a i'm a firm believer in and dispatching the animal on the farm not having to truck it and and get it all head up you know because to me it ruins the meat like with our pigs we walk them out of the pen and I give them a little pile of feed and they get the dispatch right there. One and bad they, day. <laughs> yeah. They don't even know anything's going on. They're like, Oh, feed. And then it's over with, you know? Yeah. And, yep. and it makes the meat so much better. There's I, it just, it just tastes better to me. That's why I, I still, I still hope the prime act somehow makes it through. That would yeah. Be wouldn't awesome. that be nice? That'd be so nice. nice. I still, it, I, I said it on, I forget what podcast I said it on. I don't know if it was this one. Um, that if it doesn't go through, and even if it does go through, I might try to figure out how to try and copy or try how to put something into my state's legislature. Yeah. Same as Maine's doing, where it's just yeah. like, just go do it. I don't care. Like, no cottage industry laws. Just sell it. Yeah. Figure it out for yourself. If I can, I wish that would happen here in New York, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. New New York's got the wrong state for that. Yeah, yeah. If we can figure out a way that they could make money off of it, they might be inclined to do it. You're in the you're in the state of inclusion, so you're included in the shit show that is New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should cut New York City off and send them down. Somewhere else, and we'd be golden up here in the southern tier. You know, everything yeah, in life oh, would yeah. be great, but yeah. it's like they're just they got a rope around our ankle and hanging on down there. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
And I, I dread hearing anything that's happening in California because once California does it, it seems like New York City's right on their heels trying to follow right suit. Like, yep. 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 So I talked to you guys about that. AJ, his name's AJ Richards. Yep. Richards. And he is actually trying to build a network across the whole country. I believe he's from Utah, maybe. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to build a network across the whole country to connect people with farmers, just kind of nice. like what you're doing, nice. Joe. But yeah. he's 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 on a huge scale because I talked to him and he said, well, we don't have many farmers on the East Coast. And he said, yeah. go to my website and sign up, he says. And, and by the end of this year, he figures he's going to be countrywide. That's pretty that. awesome. I'll check that out for sure. You yeah. you said he was on TikTok? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's on there all the Kyle, time. you should reach out. Yeah, Be for sure. I'll check him out. Show. Yeah, I'll check yeah. him out for sure. Yeah, he he's he's trying to build a network across the whole country now. It's just like, wow, that's going to be something that's gonna be awesome. that up and running. Yeah, yeah, so. Well, Rachel, I don't know where my wife's at. She she headed home. So, <laughs> I'm surprised she's not on here. With you two ripping on us tonight. <laughs> I know it is nice just having a uh just being critiqued the entire time you're on a show. <laughs> we love you guys. Yeah. We love all of you. Um so lull. And we lull and I just called out a lull, so that's even worse. <laughs> um so what are your like next plans? Like what are you thinking about trying to do next? Well, we've kind of got into the quail a little bit there, and I want to—I've actually got a good market on pigs, uh, butcher hogs, and little ones. I always sell out of yeah. little ones every year. Yeah. And then uh, the sheep, we're going to double size in the herd. So next year, I'm—I'm I'm figuring on if things go right, we're going to be uh, lambing out forty or fifty uh, ewes next year. That's so. awesome. Yeah, and then yeah, uh, I told him I said, "I, I want a gilt. I want a Berkshire Hereford gilt." Yeah, because he's got he does have some excellent pigs. His boar came from New Hampshire. He's on us. Yeah, I was telling you before. I forget boar. the guy's name, but I know who it is because there's only he's a he's a reputable breeder yeah, in only New two Hampshire. Reputable dealers yeah. up here in New Hampshire. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're farmers. <laughs> he's a, he's a real nice guy though. He was yeah. I, I've I heard. Can't, I can't remember his. name. It was a while ago. Yeah. No, my Herefords come from the other stock. So I've meant yeah. to re- there was a moment there where I was like, maybe I'll just raise Herefords. And I like went to go try and find his name and I couldn't find it. And I was like, no, nah, we'll stick with whatever crazy shit I'm trying to do over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh well, I'm I'm gonna breed Berkshire and Herefords is what I'm gonna yeah. do. And and the reason being is I've been in this pig business a long time and the last five years that I got back into a real serious, I've learned a lot. Like you can, like your Hampshire's and your other pigs there, they hit around 300 pounds. And to me, they kind of, they start to what I call flab out. Yes. You know what I mean? And I want a, I want a 300 pound pig, but I don't want all that lard and yeah. fat on them. I want, want them to be tight. You know what I mean? Is that your target weight you go for with yours is 300? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the reason being is because down through the years, you know, I've butchered four, 500 pound furrowing cells. And yeah, they might be a tad tough, but they were pretty good. You know, is this live live weight or hang weight? Uh, Live weight. Oh, okay. Yeah. So 225, 250. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, hanging weight is what I'm yep. shooting for. Yeah, I know but we they, put one. We put one in not this past year, but the year before. That was 276, and I was like, "We'll hold on to that one. I'm not going to push that one on a customer." That's yeah. Well, I I actually sent some Hereford sows that I didn't want to keep for breeding to butcher there, and the guy that butchered them for me told me they were the some of the nicest pigs he's seen, and they were. They were almost full blood Hereford. So I'm telling you, yes. Herefords are the hidden gem of the pig world. They really are. I feel like nobody knows about them. Yeah. And if you do, you're preaching them from the freaking rooftops. Absolutely. Like, and that's 
Um, I was telling you a little bit before about what we got going on for pigs over here. That's the craziest thing about the cross that we have, where it's they're just mini Herefords. They're built just like Herefords, but smaller. Mm-hmm. And the meat quality on them is so damn good because they got the Ospa Megalitsa fat. Oh. Yeah. I, just cooked, I cooked, I had a BLT from that bacon. I, I, I was like, I'll put it in the cooler all night and I'll slice it in the morning. I'm like, nope, we're not waiting on this one. <laughs> You're supposed to let it rest now. You're supposed to let it rest overnight. It happens. I couldn't help myself. (laughs) I was going to say, I probably do the same thing when I start smoking here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had to go back out to the shop. I closed up the shop and everything. And then I was like, yeah, no, I got to go back out. (laughs) (laughs) Give the kids their mac and cheese. And I was like, that'll be right back. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, I got a line on some purebred Berkshires too, right here in uh, town. I just happened to stumble across a um, guy moved out from the city, decided he wanted to try to do pigs and he taught himself how to AI. And he's got really? one, one sow left and he just AI her, but I processed her daughter from last year for him. That's how I stumbled on it. So uh, I was like, if you, if you're going to have piglets, I said, let me know. I mean, she's a nice looking sow and I can't remember what boar he bred her to, but he's been buying his semen from uh, Shipley's. Um, so, and, and she looked nice. She was she was a little on the small side because he left her in with her mother, and obviously the mom was stealing half the feed off of her. Um, but she, the meat quality was super nice. Um, so I lined up a, a guilt from him too for this year. Nice. Boy, if he's got any extra little pigs he wants to sell, sign me up. Yep. I will. I'll let you know. I've been trucking them in from keep... out of state. <laughs> I think he said he's only going to keep two for himself. I told him because he he kept the one because he was planning on breeding the daughter. Decided that he didn't want more than just a one sow. Um, super nice guy. So I told him. I said, in my experience, you really want to raise two from that are around the same age. They'll grow good, but you don't have to worry about the bigger pigs competing against the feed and taking right. taking right. after feeding. So that's what he's going to try this year. So I'll see. He's going to let me know when they when she pharaohs and how many he has, and uh, I'll definitely let you know on those. Yeah, absolutely. I will. I will take everything that he hasn't got a home for. I'm sure he'd be he'd be happy to have some one person come and buy whatever's left. I only want one because I think I'm gonna. I'm not going to raise a lot of feeders this year. I might do two, one for ourselves and one to sell just for that reason. But I'm going to buy, I'd like to buy, you know, a guilt from you and a, a guilt from him and just kind of refocus my breeding program without getting too big. I want to focus more time here in the shop and getting the customer list. We got the new addition starting here pretty soon. Smokehouse is supposed to be here. It was supposed to be here last this last week. Now they're saying Tuesday. So we'll see. Yeah, we got a big week coming up this week too. I'm going to. I actually am too cheap to buy concrete and I want my fur owned pens in the barn where I can, can kind of keep an eye on them, you know? So what we're going to do is, well, what the problem was is we had, it's an older barn and, and the pigs, when they poured concrete back then, they put a half inch of concrete over 10 foot of field stone and, and the pigs just went in there and tore it all up and it's just a mess. So, we're going to clean it out, but I ended up uh, finding this uh, quarry south of us that's got this uh, stone with stone dust. And yeah. I was told if you buy a concrete mix and kind of sprinkle it over the top and tamp it down real good and wet it down real good, that it's almost as good as concrete. So hmm. we're going to be rebuilding our furrow and set up this week. Yep. Nice. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I'm, and, uh, I'm really considering. I've got all those pine trees where my pigs have been pasturing the last two years. Now they have it cleared out. I'm really considering if I take a step back from like growing by farm, uh, actually taking down a lot of those spruce trees and uh, milling lumber for myself, and then building some kind of farrowing setup for my pigs. Just because I want something a little bit nicer. I got my uh, blue butts down in the barn. The one didn't take, but I just had a real nice litter of uh, piglets out of her cross my Berkshire Durrock cross boar. And uh, it, it's just so much nicer having them in a pen. Just, yeah. just be able to control it. Then I can put them back out in pasture when they're, you know, breeding and I'm raising the feeders and stuff, especially this time of year. And for around here, for us, a lot of people, I could probably sell if I had 
15 litters of piglets right now, I could probably sell everything I had. Oh, I, I mean, absolutely I hadn't could. even marketed. I absolutely could just by word of mouth because mm -hmm. I've been I've been selling out of piglets every year. That's how come I hardly ever raise butcher eggs because yeah. I never have any piglets left because yeah. everybody wants them. They just take them just as fast as I can produce them. Matter of fact, I sometimes sell litters. You know, no cash has changed hand, but you know yeah. somebody will want a litter before they're even born. Oh, I'll take the whole litter. You know, so I pretty yeah. I pretty much have I pretty much have my whole litter that I'm planning on selling sold. And the crazy thing yeah, is, it's, yeah. it's all off of TikTok and the podcast and other nice. people's podcasts. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, that works out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's a good feeling. But I would like to have 20 pigs a year raised for butcher hawks because I had a pretty heavy demand after that butcher seen those pigs. He was everybody. I actually had three and I got one two halves for my daughters and then I kept one for us there and mm -hmm. and sold the other one so that paid all but $165 of mine being cut up so that was a pretty good deal you know and, and yeah. they wanted more the person who bought it I guess must have told some people and you know I could have I could have sold some butcher hogs this fall but I just I didn't have them because yeah, I always yeah. sell the babies yeah yeah my yeah. ultimate goal is to get the pigs out on pasture, but yeah. I'm a firm believer that when you go to raise butcher pigs, it's fine to have them on pasture until they get almost the butcher weight. Then you kind of need to pen them up and, and, you know, mm -hmm. put the grain mm -hmm. to them and, and get them, you know, so they're loosened up a little bit is what I call it. No, that makes, that makes complete sense. We, we did that this year. Um, we had our Herefords out on three and a half acres. I wanted to rotate it, but it just wasn't going to happen. So they, but they had three, three and a half acres yeah. to just free roam. They tore it all up. I'm super excited to see how it turns out this year. But, and then again, usually it times up for when it's going into winter time. So it's, let's go ahead, pull them in, start putting the feed to them. Like, yeah. And start getting that fat cap we're looking for. They've already built the muscles. Now they're just growing them. And let's see what it is. And these Herefords came out. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in that. Like with the steer and the heifer that we raised, they were Jersey Holstein cross. And oh. the people that I drive 10-wheeler for said, oh, you'll never get them fat. You'll never get them fat. Well, I locked them up in a pen, you know, where they had plenty of room to run around mm -hmm. and, you know, be cattle and do whatever they wanted to, but I put the grain to them for about three or four months, real heavy. And then I took them right off and put them on good second cut and hay. And I'll tell you what, it was the best steaks and beef I've ever ate mm -hmm. in my life. I mean, it was that, absolutely phenomenal. That's the tough thing with, with a dairy cow, dairy kettle, or even a, a Holstein cross with Angus is you almost have to do that. It's, it's very tough to raise those crosses on grass to get them finished out. To yeah. have a good quality fat on them, just because dairy cows nowadays—I mean, most of the commercial farms, these cows are—they're bred to live and grow on a, a high-energy ration. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're going to do grass-fed beef, which I—I I, I like grass-fed beef, you got to have the genetics for it. You can't right. take a, a Holstein or a Jersey cross and and just throw them out in the pasture and hope they're going to grow and finish out. You got yeah, they they three, won't finish in the pasture. Them. No. Yeah. yeah, no, they won't. They got you got to pen them up and and fatten them up. But when it was all said and done, I actually the people I work for there, he come down and looked at me. He said, "Boy, he said you couldn't tell the difference between them and an Angus because mm -hmm. they, you know, they fattened right up nice and yeah. they were just really they turned out real good." Honestly, I mean, the pictures that I had seen from from them, they looked like Angus crosses to me. Yeah, they were jerseys though. I'm yeah. I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure that they were more jerseys than anything because I paid I think thirteen dollars for one and I don't know maybe nineteen or something yeah. for the other and one. You're not they were that, calves. You're and you're not ever. I mean, right now, calves. Somebody was talking on the one chat. Uh, they posted a supposedly purebred black Angus bottle calf. I don't know. I mean, I don't trust any anybody says no. that now because all these farms are breeding the black Angus to their, you know, Holsteins. Yeah. Because the black calves are going so high. Someone said that in PA, 
they were going for like eleven dollars and something a pound I heard for that. black calves. I heard that. What? Yeah, the yeah, days of a hundred dollar bottle ten to eleven dollars a pound is what I heard. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. insane. Can you imagine that buying that calf and bringing it home and have it get something and die the next day? I'd try. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. take that. <laughs> no, I mean, wow. I think I my first two right when the farm started getting into breeding their dairy cattle, the Angus, I picked up. I had all the dairy goats, and my Nubians are producing so much milk. So I went and bought. I think I paid one was a black Angus Holstein cross and one was a red Angus red Holstein cross. They were heifers. I paid $25 a piece for them. Right. And I got my, my red and white steers out of that cow. She, that's the one that ended up dying on me from bloat last year. Cause she got loose and ate like a hundred pound bag of grain, but it was weird. She didn't bloat right away and die. I put her in a pen. I flushed her out with, um, uh, baking soda water and just straight hay for a couple days and she seemed to be doing better i let her out next day i come home from work and she's laying there dead and that that was my first calf out of her so i raised her for three years before i got a calf because i didn't have a bull to breed her the first season i wanted to and she ended up dying on me anyway but yeah you don't you're not going to find calves for that price that's why i'm struggling going back and forth on do I downsize or keep my beef cows? Because I have, um, I have no. <laughs> uh, really, I didn't pay for my beef cattle. I, I got them on trade for quarters. Is how I did it with the the guy. Uh, he couldn't take care of them anymore, and um, yeah. So. Here, I'll pop Sorry about that. I'll pop it up the screen for a second. Um, yeah, I stopped raising beef, uh, for this year. Like we, and again, I jumped into it pretty aggressively. I went from like chickens or rabbits to cow, two cow calf pairs. I was like, let's just run it. No, we're not running it. We had like six at one point running around and I'm like, all right, this is way too expensive to do right now. We're not set up to do it. We got the space to do it, but again, it's all about being set up to do it. You can do anything. But if you got a setup that's subpar, yeah, right. you're not prepared for, it's going to be a bad time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just assume uh, maybe not get into the beef so much and focus yeah. more on uh, the pigs and the sheep because they're a lot, number one, they're a lot easier to handle. And number yeah. two, if, if I run out of money someday and they got to eat trees, they'll eat them. You know, mm-hmm. the sheep, especially, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll eat them, you know, and, and they do good on, you know, I don't feed no grain to the sheep anymore and I won't ever again yeah. because it, it just absolutely ruined them. I'll tell you what I do feed a lot of though. In the fall time, I feed a lot of squash and pumpkins and things that wow. I grow in, in my garden. Cause we do, we do quite a bit of produce every year too. And uh, last year we, we kind of just, it went right in the toilet. We didn't sell because everybody's doing it now. Everybody's got a backyard garden because they're so scared of the, the stores running out of food, you know, and thinking they're going to starve to death if they don't have a garden. And, right. But boy, I'll tell you what, you want to fatten some lambs up and fatten some sheep up, start feeding them some blue Hubbard squash. That'll do it every time. <laughs> and, and it's good food for them and they absolutely love it. Yeah. Like we, we planted a whole great big Ziploc bag, of blue Hubbard squash and uh, every single one of them grew. And I mean, we were taking them up by the skid steer bucket load and dumping them in the pasture for them. And they were just, it was like candy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I usually try to do just like a random, like free throw garden of pumpkins every year. Just try to get a couple plants going and it's just for the pigs just to feed them out at the end. Yeah. But, yeah. We, I, I wouldn't mind in the future maybe leaning towards that a little bit, maybe finishing out a batch of, of 20 pigs and, you know, some lambs, finish them out in the fall and just finish them out on squash and, and the garden stuff, you know, because I think they do really good and I think it would make the meat taste like mm-hmm. really good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, you could grow turnips and beets and all that stuff, you know, and yeah. I think they do real good on it. Yeah, I planted my uh, 
small field out back that the pigs were in last year, I planted that into like a food plot mix, but I put extra um, turnips and radishes in there. And the pigs didn't touch them until it, it frosted, kind of like the deer do. And they hammered that whole field's like turned right over now. There's yeah, nothing left yeah. in it. Yeah, they wow. like them radishes and turnips and stuff. I, I, I was thinking about doing that for the sacrificial area that the breeders are in right now. Because mm -hmm. I'm going to get, I'm, I need to build another paddock just to get them out of there. Because that section has been so hammered. There's been pigs on it for three years now. So it's, it needs a break. <laughs> yeah, I uh, a couple strands of electric, Kyle. It'll be all right. I yeah. I actually I actually am leaning towards once I do get my pigs on pasture because it's just everything is so expensive now. Fence, fence posts, and if you're gonna have mm -hmm. neighbors, you need to have really good fence because oh, if yeah. you don't, you're gonna piss people off, and it's just not worth it. You might better keep them in the barn, you know, mm -hmm. and. uh once I get that set up, though, I want to do rotational grazing with the pigs. And yeah. I want to, what I want to do is something like Jordan Green is the one to give me the idea from watching his videos. He goes in and broadcasts seeds it just yeah. before he takes a group of pigs out. And then, you know, it grows up to whatever he's put in there. And I think that's a good way to do it. I oh, mean, you could sure. feed pigs right up. If we had a late winter, you know, you could feed pigs right up till. November, maybe even December, if if it was the right year for it, um, just pasture, and of course you got to give them some grain, but so um, yeah, I, that'd be great, I think. Oh, I I have for sure, especially with my beef. My pigs wouldn't touch it. Um, for some reason, there's a brewery up mm -hmm. here that I guess I guess they're trashy like me, and they don't like IPAs, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um but no, they would um. I'd get like, you know, those like half pallet containers, like they have the plastic walls on the side and stuff. I'd get one of those full. It would be like hundreds of pounds. But the hard part about that is it doesn't keep. Like you can't keep like spent brewer's grain in a barrel and just feed it out over a month. Mm -hmm. It's, it is a very like, it's got to get out because once it cools down, then all the bacteria and everything starts growing in it. So, yeah. Especially in the summertime when it's warm. Oh, yeah. It, Those... it just won't keep. Yeah. The cows ate well, though. The cows loved it. <laughs> yeah. I I actually was getting stuff from Wegmans there. Their throw-out produce and yeah. sub mm -hmm. rolls and such. But in the summertime, it just don't keep. And the amount of garbage that I was having to get rid of, you know, get a dumpster every couple months, it just it just wasn't worth it in the end. So I, I actually just gave that up a few weeks ago. Yeah. Told him I'd, you know, I can buy a lot of feed for 250 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have a day at my local grocery store. I go on Fridays and pick everything up, which I'm, I'm pretty happy it's a Friday because again, just how shipments come in and out front, it's usually a good day. I got three boxes yesterday and like one of them was like mostly onions. And oh, my like, pigs hate onions, they won't touch them. Yeah. Uh -uh. And I'm like, I was like, I, whatever, it'll just decompose. Like it'll oranges, oranges yeah. too, great. Yeah, they won't touch and mm -hmm. red peppers for some reason, or they won't touch red peppers for me. Oh, my pigs love peppers. Nope, then my pigs will not touch it. Yeah. So I just combined two boxes. One was the onions, and the other was like lettuce and leeks and stuff like that. So I tossed them all in, and all three of them walked up. Again, these are all 450 pound breeder animals. They walk up, and all three of them just look up at me like. Seriously, what yeah, this? you're not even. <laughs> what are you doing? Where's the grain, you asshole? Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was just out there when I was feeding, and like all the onions are pushed out and like to the corner of the paddock. I'm like, yeah. all right, guys, whatever. We yeah. pretty much just throw them right in the compost pile and cover yeah. them up. Well, that's essentially yeah. what I did because I know they're just going to pound it into the soil. We don't have a fully designated compost pit yet, besides. Yeah. Well, that's what we that's what we use for fertilizer in our hay fields. So. Right. We take all the manure and we pile it till springtime, till the microbes get woke up. Mm -hmm. And usually after we take our first cotton off, we, we pick one field a year and just douse it. Yeah. Hay field, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah, I actually um, got in contact with our local uh, Cornell extension. And uh, I'm thinking about 
doing some kind of composting facility here for the shop. Um, just because the clay ground that we're on, we're on a slope, you know, here, you've been here. So, you, you know, with the slope that we have, depending on how much it's going to cost and stuff, I, I got to read through the material she sent me. Um, I think we're going to do, I'd like to do some kind of multiple bay system where we're doing compost for all of our um, offal and, you know, bones and hides and stuff here at the shop, just because it's so expensive to get rid of it. I mean, it's... Uh, $1,200 a week minimum Crazy. To, to take it to the, the local landfill. Yeah. And so I talked to her and I, I'm, she sent me over the information. I slowly been picking through it, but I just, everything's been so crazy with me lately. I mean, I had that gale away and that hog show up because I wasn't in the shop to get the message. Right. And I called him last week and I said, Hey, I got a beef sold for you. His brother had a pig coming. I said, I'll take him whenever. Well, Whatever was <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't, you know, it, it's not like it was pre-planned because they, their cattle are they're a little wild. Um, well, they're belties, so yeah, they got that Galloway blood in there, and oh. he pulled. I see him pulling in. I was over at the house working on my truck, and I'm like, "Well, that's Mike. I know what he was here for." I'm like, "Well, hopefully, I can put her in the pens, and she'll stay till the morning." I looked in the trailer. I'm like, "Oh, it's a Galloway," and he before we unloaded, he said, "He's like." Joe, you see what, what she looks like, what color she is. You better get some lead into her before she gets out of your tears, your pens up. I'm like, well, I guess I'm slaughtering the, the pig's still out there. She, she's she's got to pass till the morning. But uh they're, I'm not, they're, I was like, they're I really they really are. I hate them. I got one coming on Monday. It's a one-year-old male who's starting to get aggressive. Denise, I love you, but yeah, you know she, how much I love the Galloways. She came off that trailer and I got the pen closed up and I locked it and she was just running circles around that pen out there. I'm like, yeah, she's not staying in here for the night because I'll come out in the morning and she'll be gone. Yeah. So just be, you'll just wake up in the morning. She's staring at you through the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Luckily, I have the herd of cows right up behind the shop. So more than likely. Fingers crossed. Most of the time they're going to go up there and try to find a way to get in with the herd. Right. So. Unless they're well, really spooked, and then they'll be in the next county by morning. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's the last thing I want. That pen that we put her in, I put two by sixes over the top to deter them from trying to go over, but I'm not taking my chances. There's no solid roof over that. Yeah. Well, we're up at an hour. William, do you want anyone to find you? Do you have a website for the farm? or No, not yet. We're, we're still in the infant stages of the whole website thing. We've looked into it, but it's just not something that we have done yet because yeah, we got so many other things going on. We're kind of trying to get our infrastructure all set up with the, mm -hmm. we got barns to build and I've been sawing yeah. lumber and I got more lumber to saw to build more barns, and, you know, and fence to build. Cause I plan on bringing my goats up to where my house is. Uh, we're going to lean away from the produce a little bit this year and focus more on the sheep and the goats and the pigs and the animal side of things and yeah hopefully by hopefully by next year we'll have all the animals anybody will ever want <laughs> <laughs> beautiful joe as always here with kyle every saturday night on meet the critters uh you can find us on blake slakers on facebook uh blake slakers on youtube um still no tiktok or anything i've been I've been right there thinking about signing up for it, at least to follow Kyle's lives and stuff. I've, I keep seeing everybody posting on it. I've been on a hot streak lately. Today was wild. Just because I was smoke, I was in I was home with the kids and I was smoking yeah. bacon. So again, it's 30 second videos, but all of a sudden there's five thousand people viewing them and it's like, oh, look at that. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. And if anybody does want to reach out and get a hold of Bill. You guys can contact me on any of my platforms and I can put you in contact with him. Um, you know, if you guys got questions about any of the animals that he's raising or you're in the local to Western New York or Northern PA, you're not too far from the PA border down there, right? No, half hour, 45 minutes from Knoxville. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have no way to get a hold of Bill. So there's that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, look me up on Facebook. That's how I, people can right. get a hold of me if they want. Because 
I've actually got it's Crooked Row Farms and it's William Robinson. So yeah, they could look me up on yeah. Facebook if they wanted to. So okay. perfect. Yeah, I usually post a lot of pictures and stuff. I've been slacking, but I've been awful busy lately. So yeah. Well, yeah. um, if you can send Joe that link and I'll put it in the description of the video and on the audio podcast. So if people do want to come check you out, they can just go straight to your Facebook from there. All right. That sounds good. It's been a pleasure, guys. No, absolutely. And I'm Kyle again at Backwoods Butcher 603 for everything. Um, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, which still has nothing. I'd appreciate the follow, though. Just, just because you like me, encourage him. Go follow his Instagram, and he'll start putting more pro, uh, content on there for you guys. Yeah, you can say that. I'll say, I'll say that for sure. I don't know if it's going to come. I'm, true try, or not. I'm trying to get you more subscribers. I, or I don't want to lie. Really I don't want to lie to these people. There are friends. There are fans. They follow us. I'm not going to lie yeah. to them. Um, I didn't get a YouTube video out this week. I'm going to try and get two out next week. I've been slacking, but we got the podcast. We have TikTok, unfortunately, but we're here. So, William, again, I appreciate you coming on. Um, Absolutely. Have have you on again, especially Absolutely. if you get that rabbit school set up. We yeah, anytime. We'd love anytime. to talk to you about it again and promote it. So, yeah, right on. Sure. We appreciate everyone watching, and we'll see you next time.